Welcome to Making Comics, a podcast exploring the comics process from two different perspectives. I'm Keith Foster. I write the comic Kadoja and the upcoming comic Three Protectors. And I'm Scott Loss, the creator and artist of The Second Shift in Wanders of Melisanda for the Accidental Aliens. Yeah. I mean, we, we, it feels like we just need to run straight to the beers, right? Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Why, why should we do anything but just go straight to beers? Because that's what the world demands. So <laughs> what, are you, what are you drinking? Um, I'm all out of the 450 North Brewing Company, thank goodness. Uh, I think <laughs> I've had my fill of sour slushies. And that, that you don't know the ABV of. Yeah, exactly. So I'm going to a nice, nice San Diego-based Ballast Point Brewing Company, uh, going to the Sculpin. So, okay. Yeah. That's the uh, that's the standard IPA, correct? It, it is. It is. The oldie but goodie. Um, that's the Rock one on. that paved the way for grapefruit Sculpin. Unfortunately, I do yeah. not have. But uh, my girlfriend's brother, he had a wedding. And at this, at this venue they were able to buy their own alcohol and they're like, Oh, what kind of beer do you like? And so I was like, Oh, I like this, 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 this Sculpin, blah, blah, blah. So they ended up getting Sculpin. And, uh, after the wedding was over, they, they get to take home whatever's left over cause they purchased it. And mm-hmm. so I got like 24 Sculpins and four boxes of Corona. Oh my. Yeah. Cause, cause he's not a beer drinker. So he didn't yeah. want it. So he goes, Hey, do you want these? And I was like, yeah, I'll take those. <laughs> yeah, that, dude, that's nice. That's nice. For my wedding, it was the same thing, but I obviously picked it, and I have I had a fair amount of beer drinkers, so I went with the the option that I felt was the the greatest good for the greatest number of people, which was Modelo. That's what I went for. Okay, it's hard to go wrong with Modelo, man. Yeah. It's a delicious Caribbean lager. Yes, we could have gotten a lot snazzier, but uh, you know, you want you want something people are going to enjoy and something that's good. So, yeah. Modelo, and I still had a ton left over to that point. Yeah, equivalent to the the Corona, so it's all good. Yeah, yeah. So, so for what I'm drinking, uh, to quote to quote Lil John, I'm getting crunk. I'm getting pretty. F- I'm not sure Lil John actually said that, but he's definitely the typification of that movement. <laughs> I got Asylum. Belgian style triple, my friends, and uh, and we know what that means. We mean it means I'm gonna get crunk as fuck because it's a it's eleven point eight percent. Oh shit! Okay, I uh, dude, Gary threw the gauntlet down. I'm just running with it now. Yeah, the Sculpin's seven, so that's not too not too bad. Bitch, bitch, talk is what you are talking right now. <laughs> Actually, I, I want to mention something, which is I've been going through a lot of my beers. Because I had a big Tavo order come through. I had some other things. I, I went. I really was talking up Kona, Kona Brewing. Because Kona makes a lot of beers I like. They make Longboard, which is a fantastic lager. They make Big Wave, fantastic golden ale. I generally like all their IPAs. I was talking them up at a party to some friends. And I'm like, you know, I think I need to go right to the supermarket after this and get myself a combination pack of... Kona beer. And that's exactly what I did. So I've been alternating that with my fancy pants IPAs I have. But so yesterday I'm at, I'm at work and I'm like, I got to, these goddamn Trader Joe's crunchy curls are just, 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 just salted cocaine is what they are. I I can't stop eating the damn things. They are amazing. So I, I wanted to go on my lunch break to Trader Joe's and get that. So I got that. I got a couple of other snacks I wanted and damn it, 
the 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 lentil snacks and the potato chips are on the aisle facing the beer in this Trader Joe's. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, well, see if there's anything interesting. And there were a few interesting things. And one of them was this asylum. One of them was, so for those of you that do your booze shopping at Trader Joe's, which I recommend because it's very easy to get singles and they have a great selection of local breweries. I also got a, it was like a Christmas ale by someone. And it is also a triple, a Belgian. And then I saw an interesting beer, which I almost opened tonight, but I think I'll save it for next week. It's by Yunta in Utah. And it is a... I'm trying to think it's like a peppermint cookie stout oh, or something like that. Okay. Yeah. So I was like, I'm almost there. I'm almost ready to kick it into Christmas mode here because holiday mode, because when this airs, it is November 29th. So it is officially the season because we just got through Thanksgiving weekend in America and uh, everywhere else around the world that doesn't have it. We're all gearing up for for the holidays, whatever holiday that is. Uh, everybody's got holidays generally that fall around this time of year, um, except for maybe Asia. But uh, but anyway, so I got, and it's amazing how sometimes a few beers stirred in the collection make the whole thing pop. Because it's like, yeah, now I can go back and forth between a Belgian and maybe an IPA tomorrow and maybe a lager the next night. I have that nice variety where when it was just lagers and IPAs, I felt a little... A little stagnant, maybe. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I put a, put a little kick into it, and I'm I'm gonna put a little kick in my own pants for this 11.8 that I'm down in right now. Nice. But so I am hosting, which means you are going first, friend. So, what was the first thing that you did this week? Um, it has been a week of updating the Kickstarter graphics and uh, project, like the descriptions and stuff like that. Just trying to maximize the Kickstarter itself. And uh, also working the flats for the second shift, issue 12, which is the this year's Drawtober, uh, turned into a fully formed comic. So working on the flats for that, I only have about five pages left, four pages, five pages left. Oh. Um, at this point, yep, it's a flat. And then, um, and then to work the pages that are new. So that was something that I wanted to do different this year. Uh, instead of just having only the Drawtober days in there as the comic book. Like, if you go through my Instagram, you'll see that is a coherent story. You can read it without dialogue. That is that. But I wanted to give the people that buy the comic book something else, something a little bit more. So there's more transition panels. There's a whole extra page. And um, uh, just want to do something more, you know? Uh, I don't want people to feel ripped off, like, well, I could have just got this for free. You know, so mm-hmm. it's, uh, you know, you get the colored version, you get the lettered version, plus you get some extra pages. Nice. To, speaking of mama mentality, how much more comic can I make? More, more comics. More comics. <laughs> how many exactly. more pages? More pages. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, that's cool. You are either double trip, double dipping or triple dipping, depending on how you want to talk about it, because simply by flatting... And by managing the Kickstarter, you are doing double duty there. Yeah. Um, hey, how you holding up? We're uh, we're a week in, right? How a it's, week in? How how you feeling? How you feeling in the Kickstarter? You still got a long ways to go. Is it? Uh, you know, you still got some some nice bits bits of vim in you. Uh, ready to attack this? Yeah, man. I, I feel good. I feel good about it. Uh, it's moving nice. It's progressing. Uh, I want to say better than the February Kickstarter that I did this year. And uh, I, I'm definitely ahead number-wise 
where I there uh, from the previous Kickstarter at the same time, and uh, I feel good about it. And so as this airs, you said it's uh, the 29th, right, of November. Yeah. Um, there's two days left, so this this thing, you know, 29, 30, and then you know. The December 1st at noon is when this thing expires. So if you guys haven't backed it yet, please back the Kickstarter. There's uh, some nice yeah. tiers there for you. Check it all out. There's a all-inclusive tier. So if you don't have any of the Second Shift or any of my books, you can get it there. I, I think it's explainable as to why you're outperforming the last Kickstarter, which is I think you just have higher points of entry. Yeah, You have two books instead of one, mm-hmm. and you have multiple tiers where somebody such as myself can decide they want to get the variants. So they get the variants and, you know, you're spending a decent chunk of change, but you're getting some great indie comics at great low print runs. And uh, and you're you're helping support the indie comics game. You know? Yeah. I, I was, I, was uh, yeah. I got the last few backers that I got were very high tier backers. So people that picked uh, all of my, con- so the tier is called all of my books. So the last, I think, two or three backers were the all of my books tier. So that's pretty cool. That's great. That's great. Yeah, I I think about too many things. And one of the things I think about is how when I do Kadoja Volume 4, number one, it I'm going to obviously have a tier there, which is the whole story. And uh, it will be the first three trades plus this. And uh, I don't know. It it's it's It seems interesting to me when you're getting the three trades plus a fourth trade or two trades plus another trade. So I'll be interesting see, to see how it shakes out when it's trades plus comics. But uh, but something I might cop from you a little bit is to throw a couple comics in there because I have some comics and maybe an extra issue or two uh, would be cool. And come to think of it, Kadoja Declassified is part of canon as well, which is the interstitial piece that uh, serves as a bridge between volumes two and three. And there's some interesting continuity in there for people if they want to check it out as well. So that'll it'll be fun, and, uh, and we'll see what happens. But that's that's still a few months away for me to get that going. Nice. So for me, my first thing of the month is novel November. Yeah, I'm going to use the that's trademark right. the trademark Scott Loss thing as opposed <laughs> to national. Let's all sit in a room and write a novel in the same month month and let that month be November. Uh, or, or or whatever whatever we're uh, we're calling it however so, that rolls um, off the tongue how it does it does <laughs> i mean that was that was very smooth the way it just happened like that so it's i i mentioned i've mentioned previously that i don't like to spend a lot of time talking about the novel stuff but it's the most work that i did this week and i think there might be a thing or two worth talking about in there so i did dive um, deeply into my novel. I'm feeling very, very good for this mini end of draft, right? My fifth draft is going to be done a couple days after this airs. I'm going to end it on November 30th. I'm going to give myself something on the order of a week off, maybe a little bit more, because I have some conventions coming up. So when this airs, I will have already completed San Diego Comic-Con Special Edition. Uh, I hope I did well. I hope it was a blast. I think it will be. And I will have Emerald City Comic-Con coming up this next week. And during all that time, it's a great time to focus on conventions and do all those things. So logical time to take a few days off. And then, of course, I will bust back into it in December as part of my one-night writing retreat that I am doing for myself, which is still on, and I'm still very much looking forward to that. 
So what I dove into this week, you know, there are a couple mini, there are a couple checkboxes within the completion of this draft that I need to check before I'm feeling good. So the first of the three is done. And that's, I finished that last week, I believe, which was actually to get to the end of the novel, pass this certain draft of it where I've made, you know, my lead a more robust character, made things more interesting, cut out some authorial fluff, for lack of a better way to put it, and concluded the story. And no matter how many times you get to the end of a draft, there is something very satisfying about getting to the part where it says the end and thinking, wow, another pass of this novel, man. Isn't this great? But it's not quite done yet because that's the first box of three. The second box is that one of my characters, I want the character to be more... I don't think I've mentioned what the nationality is. So I'm, you know, because I love to be secretive for absolutely no reason, um, I'm just going to mention that the character is a specific nationality and I didn't feel that he was enough of that nationality in terms of the way he spoke. And something I've mentioned before on some ways to do that, so I'm taking my own advice here. What I did was I downloaded a, a couple different podcasts of people that speak English, obviously, in that language. So it's a it's it's a country that speaks English, but there are idioms, there is phrasing, and there is obviously accent that goes into how these countries speak English. So it was, it's been a pretty deep dive in that I'm trying to immerse myself in that. Usually, I am reading an audiobook on the way to and from work. I'm listening to one on the order of an hour, an hour and a half every day that I'm getting in that audiobook. But for the last week, I've really displaced that by focusing on podcasts and the idioms, the dialect, and things like that. And I highly encourage this for people who have characters of any, you know, of any country where they speak English or even the thing about English is it's spoken by everybody in the world. It, it generally, you know, like you can go everywhere and find people that speak English. Many, many countries out there encourage their people to speak two languages. Again, we're the knuckleheads because we're yep. just like, we speak English. It's all we need. We're a bunch of dumb fucks. Yeah. Right. And that's that's <laughs> we're that's the who center we are. of the world. <laughs> we're the center of the goddamn world. It's it's <laughs> United States ocentric. That's the universe, you know, so that's that's what we do. And and I guess the world was like, yeah, yeah, we agree with that. We're going to all speak English, too. <laughs> Somehow that happened. And, and we got lucky because I do feel like a, a consistent idiot when it comes to talking to people from other countries that speak yeah. at least one more language, if not many more right. than, than just mine. But. It's very valuable to take those things and unpack them. So what I've been doing is I'm not just listening to a podcast, multiple podcasts. What I'm doing is as I listen to the podcast, I am specifically replaying the sentence in my head as they say it, how I, you know, just in my own voice, because what you find is many, many, many sentences out there that we think are different sounding depending on where in the world someone is speaking English the wording is actually the same. It's the accent that's different. So by repeating it in your head as you're, as you're processing people speaking, you're able to understand whether it's a sentence structure thing or whether it's a accent thing or whether it's an idiom. 
because there are some idioms out there that we use, obviously, plenty of people in the United States, we have our own idioms. And when you're writing, it's very, very common for people to put American idioms in the mouths of people that are not from America. And that's a dead giveaway that you didn't think all the way through your shit. Yeah, there, that that went the other way, too. Uh, uh, I think in the 80s with, with Claremont. Claremont, I think he is, uh, isn't he British? He's technically British. He has an American accent. He's, 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 he's like, I think dual citizenship or something like that. But he would put a lot of like British colloquialisms in X-Men characters mouths. And I was just like, why do they sound British? They're not like, even as a kid, I knew what British people sounded like. I was like, those are British words. British people, X-Men aren't British. Why is he saying that? So it's funny when you, uh, when you see it. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So uh, so it's been very helpful because when I got to anything that that in my head, when I replayed the sentence speaking in Keith's interior voice, so we know it's American, I'd be like, ah, now that's a different thing. And then I wrote that down. I made a note of it. And I was just like, okay, this is a thing that I can do. And there are other phrases and things like that where they, they're very similar to how we might say it in the United States, but they're different. And by putting those things in, so now what I'm doing is I'm, I'm basically almost done with that pass, absorbing the knowledge I have absorbed, and then putting it into these, this character's words. And the results, I think, are, are quite good. I'm, I'm happy with it. There, there's a couple of things that you always want to be wary of. You don't want to jambalaya that shit, which I've used that before. You know, you don't want to just dump 17 colloquialisms in there. So the person is speaking nothing but slang and dialect, etc. You know, this is why it's helpful to, to make notes of the sentences that are in fact the same, but are only differentiated by accent. Because then you realize so many of the sentences are actually the same word for word. They just sound different when someone from America speaks them in English versus when someone from Norway or India or France or Great Britain, Australia, any of these places, right? And I know English is spoken in a lot more countries, but I'm specifically referring there to a lot of countries where a lot of people speak English. And, uh, and so you can get some very different things there when you get to it. So it was very helpful. This pass of the novel is almost complete. And by my logic, I have one, maybe two mini boxes to check. And as we record this, we're only halfway through November. So I'm feeling very good about that. I hope it's Jive. <laughs> I hope when I read this draft, it's just some dude talking jive. And I'm there, is, like, there is no way. <laughs> I mean, look, some things in comedy age incredibly well, <laughs> and some age incredibly poorly, <laughs> even if they are funny. So, yes, the airplane jive thing is uh, chump, chump don't want no help. Chump don't get no help from uh, what was that? The mom on like the Brady Bunch or something like that? Oh, shit. I the Waltons. Remember. Yeah, yeah. It was it was a well-known wholesome mom from television that was the person that did that in the uh, in the airplane movies. But that's my first thing, man. So how about you? You got a second thing? Yeah, I actually forgot to mention uh, uh for the Drawtober thing, one of the things that I had to do. So I primarily work on my uh, iPad using Procreate. Procreate is an amazing tool. It is essentially Photoshop Lite. Uh, that's that's basically the program that it compares to. The one issue that Procreate has, and if you guys don't have it, I definitely suggest getting it. 
I think it's about $15 these days, maybe $17 at the most. Um, and there's no no monthly fee, nothing like that. So it's just a one-time purchase. And I got it back in the day when it was five bucks. It was like $5.99 or something like that. But uh, the one issue that it does have is if you draw an image and then you shrink it, the lines tend to be a little blurry. They're not as sharp and crisp as they once were. So the, the workaround for that is to save the file in Photoshop, a PSD, you know, save it to your cloud drive, whatever it is. I use Google Drive. It's the cheapest one, and it, you don't have to worry about Google going away. So I, I upload them to Google Drive, and uh, I pop them into Photoshop. And then in Photoshop, since it's saved as a Photoshop file, it does not blur the lines. It doesn't. It doesn't uh, affect them at all. So I did that. I moved all my my Drawtober issues that were being combined. Those panels that were combining being combined into uh, panels onto a page. I uploaded them there. I configured them, rearranged them, tweaked them, and uh, saved them back to the drive and sent them to myself. And then so that's a process that. I had to do in order to get the best line I could for these pages. So that that was uh, the first part, and then after that, that's when I started the flatting process. Um, okay, so my second thing. Oh, go ahead. Do me a favor. Move that thing away. The yeah. can. Oh, oh it, was, it was the can. Oh, oh, yeah. I see. Oh, it's in yeah, my see, face. I it got you. It looked like it looked like you were one of the aliens in uh, um, Godzilla versus Monster X. What the hell is that called? Invasion of Astro Monster. <laughs> That's what it looked like. You had like this black neck ring, but it was okay. the top of the can. Yeah, okay. Anyway, yes, that's that's much better. That's okay. much better. Uh, so my second thing was actually something that was started last week that I didn't get to mention because we had Gary on and we just had we had so much to talk about. And you've you guys listen to that episode, you know we had a ton to talk about and it was a good conversation. Um, but my commissions and freelance work has started back up. I finished a wrestling toy uh, and I have a bunch more on the list. So my client said, hey, get ready. I got about 10 deep for you. So hopefully those will all come pretty soon uh, in the month of December so I can get paid. Some Christmas presents will be bought, taken care of, and uh, I won't be hit too hard financially in the pocketbook. You know, thankfully, I have this freelance work coming in. Um, and also heard back from uh, the mermaid client. So uh, there, I sent him something right back. So he's like, hey, my email's open. Uh, feel free to send stuff over, which I did. I had something pending. Like, as soon as he said, hey, don't send me anything, I already had the corrections on the draft that he wanted. And so as soon as he said it was good, I sent him his way, and he sent some notes back. He wants some more details. He wants this and that. And honestly, I've been so swamped with the Kickstarter. I'm, like, pumping the brakes on it for a second. I think this coming week, that's when I'll get back on it because I'll be a little more focused but, uh, you know, like I mentioned earlier, it's just all about these tweaks to the project. Like something, you know, something that I was missing from the Kickstarter description was what happens in the books. I was talking about the books themselves and like the order of the process and everything. But I didn't even talk about what's going on in the books. You know, I did upload the art so people can, you know, you can visually see what's going on. But to know the overall plot was something that I needed to put in there. And so that's something I... I put recently. So guys, learn from my mistakes. I've done freaking 10 of these things. And for some reason that escaped me this time around. And so I corrected that and, uh, you know, everything's looking good. Good, good. And that actually brings up the, the larger note there, which I somehow don't think we've talked about on previous Kickstarters, by the way, hello, 11.8. 
it is it has been cleared for landing because <laughs> I'm I'm like halfway through this bad boy and all of a sudden coherent thoughts are just really really hard. <laughs> So, so well, it's, we a, was, it's a good thing you're hosting this week then. It's a great, it's a great <laughs> thing. It's a great thing I'm hosting. Um, and of course, I forgot what I was going to say. No, I did remember. One thing I don't think we've mentioned before about the Kickstarters is one of the most important things you can do, which we did not mention somehow, is put as much art from the book in the body of your Kickstarter as you can. Covers, interiors, a mention of the story, like Scott is saying, nothing, in my opinion, is going to sell your book as much as that. You can talk about a lot of things, and it's okay to talk about a lot of those things. Story, there is no rule on how long stories should be, and generally, the longer the better. The more you're sharing, the more you're talking about, the more you give people to, to look at and read, to be excited about, the better. So yes, make sure that you are including some art and some text on what the story is. Absolutely. The uh, One of the things that I will not do is back Kickstarters if I don't know what the interior art looks like. So my Kickstarter does have a lot of alternate covers. So the standard, the standard Kickstarter for me is the standard cover, the Kickstarter exclusive cover, and one variant, one other variant. And then, so the variant tends to be a higher priced item. The Kickstarter exclusive is somewhere around 15 and then the standard is cover price as I would charge at a convention, which is like five bucks. So th that's what I normally like to do. Um, this one, I actually had an extra piece that I had commissioned a while back. And then the artist was just like, oh, hey, I did this a couple years ago. Here it is. And I'm like, well, he's posting up on it. And yeah, and it has been a while. So might as well just throw it up on a Kickstarter. Um, so issue 10 actually has four variants as opposed to three. And then issue 12 has my standard three, three different variant covers. So... I like to include all those so everyone knows what's going on, what they're purchasing, but I also always have to have interior art. I will not back a Kickstarter if I do not know what the interior art looks like. So uh, a famous creator just posted up, um, or his proxy because he does not use social media, but he posted up on his Kickstarter, hey, you know, uh, this creator did an alternate cover for this book. It's got two days left. Here, check it out. The alternate cover looks cool. It was a reasonable price but I have no idea what the interiors look like. So I was like, ah, that's too bad. You know, if I, if I knew what the interiors look like, I would probably buy it. But honestly, I'm not, I'm not looking to invest in something that has a, a unfortunate, unfortunately subpar art inside. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, don't even, don't even get me started on this epidemic that is alternate covers. You know, I was going to say two minutes ago or 35 seconds ago or whatever, you are giving Dynamite a run for their money. Have you, are you are you familiar with how many fucking variants on every Dynamite book there are? Oh, dude, there's so many. There's and so, and so I don't many. I don't read Dynamite books, although I will say that uh, in the dollar bins, the last time we went to SoCal Comics, I found the Solar Man of the Atom uh, series. I think it went about 12 issues. I could only get the first 10 amazing run amazing run um i think dynamite did buy a couple of the uh, old gold key characters because i have repped the magnus book 
on Dynamite before, and I think they have Solar as well. So yeah, man, Solar, Solar, however you pronounce it, wonderful. But every week, you know, one of my little fun new traditions is that on Tuesday, because that's when it's it's firm, I go on to Comic List. It's just, I can't remember what website it is. I think it's gocollect.com. I go to Comic List New Releases, and I just browse what's going to happen there, because I like going to the comic shop every week now. It's a fun little thing to do, and to make sure that I get every book I want, because you just never know when you get to the dynamite section oh my god there have to be at least 17 covers of every book that they do they do like three comics and their listing requires two page downs just for dynamite it's insane yeah i get notices via email from socal comics every week like what the book the books that are coming in this this wednesday and you're right i'll get to the dynamite section and it'll be like vampirilla cover one through k or you know a through k and i'm just like what the fuck you know it's or whatever whatever books they have i, I don't even know uh but yeah. I, th- I think she's one of them i think yeah vampirilla is oh, okay correct. okay so um yeah no no trust me i felt weird having four variants for issue 10 but uh you know you gotta do what you gotta do i'm i'm just like you know what i have like the shaheen uh la Juiz variant it's a team shot and I really like the image, but I was waiting to use it. The, the unfortunate part is I wouldn't really like all four characters are in issue 10, but it's not a team issue. It's like it's focused on two of the characters, really, and, and the villain. So it's just like, ah, and it's like, oh, he's advertising it. It was like, I think it was a couple. I think it was 2019 when he did it. But it's just there hasn't been a good time to use it since I commissioned it. It was just like this piece I was going to hold on to. So I'm like, oh, it's getting a little long in the tooth. I'll, I'll just throw it out there. So, you know, it is what it is. Um, and I got some more, you know, people that I'm, I'm looking at and then I'm thinking about getting for the next one. So I was just like, oh, fuck it. Let's let's get it out of the way. Let's go. You you look whenever you have the opportunity to just variant the fuck up. That's what you do. You know, Scott, <laughs> well, Scott Dynamite lost. That's, that's your. <laughs> well, that's the beauty your... is. The Kickstarter exclusive ones are ones that won't ever be relisted. So it's yeah. like if you back, and that's what that one is. It's like uh, Shaheen, both of his covers are the Kickstarter exclusive. So, you know, once, you know, once, once these uh, issues, like, because I'll get a flat number, right? So if I get, let's say, uh, you know, 45 people that get the Kickstarter exclusive cover, I'll probably do 50. So I'll get five extra. And then once those are gone, they're gone. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's unfortunate if you don't get it, then you'll just never get that cover again. But mm-hmm. it is what it is. I don't want to do reprints of it, but I will yeah. sell those extra ones off until those are gone. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. And in a way, that leads into my second thing for the week, which is let's just call it absolute panic mode in trying to get some shit ready for both San Diego Comic Con and Emerald City Comic Con. So, If you listen to the podcast a lot, which, you know, I hope you do. I hope you've been here since day one. You will know that I have been talking about these conventions for quite a while. I have known they were coming. I've been quite aware. I like to plan my time. I like to think that I'm a semi-intelligent human being that can function well as a member of society. Yet somehow the gravity of the fact that I am doing two large conventions theoretically back to back, right? We don't know what they're going to look like in in a coronavirus world or even a post-coronavirus world, which is sort of what this is. Which but it just makes it insane. 
So I'm sitting here trying to plan and I'm like, shit, man, I don't think I have anything extra or exclusive or interesting for these shows. Plus, I think I need to do some stocking up. So this last day or two has been a a real panic in terms of sending emails to a bunch of vendors and saying, hey, what's your turnaround time right now? Can you get me this, this, this or this? And I'm just seeing what the options are because I do want to round out my product and get a few more things there. And um, yeah, I I managed to hear back from a few and they're like, look, one of them was if you get me the files tonight, as in after I stop recording, I need to send them the files. Then they think they'll be able to turn it around in time for me to get it next week at San Diego, which, of course, thanks to the the fucked up time is a flat circle nature of this podcast has already happened in the past because so welcome world. These are. These are transmissions from the past. We are calling from a distant past of November 15th, 2021. Was that my printer? Uh, it's actually uh, Fairy Metal. You ever use those yep. guys? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. Fairy Metal. Okay, cool. Um, it's, I, I, I made a last minute decision. I was playing whether I wanted prints or whether I wanted some more metallic cards. And this goes to, to a, a, a text that I sent you a little bit earlier today, which is for for seven years, for seven years, maybe more, as I've been doing these shows, ever since I started doing Kadoja, Kadoja, it's always been about Keith Foster making Kadoja, right? Or, or a better way of putting it is Kadoja, that happens to be written by a guy named Keith Foster. Now it's about Keith Foster writes Kadoja. And Keith Foster also makes a book called Three Protectors. And this will only continue to multiply as more books come out in the future. Animals is going to happen. It's going to happen later in 2022, but it's going to happen. So I'm going from a one book booth to a three book booth within a year. Where do prints fit in this? Where do these artist Godzilla style prints that I have fit in? And, you know, he talked me into the fact that they do have a place, but I think they need to have a smaller footprint. My table has generally been about 33 to 50% space when you count the table real estate and the banner behind me real estate. About 50% of it has been devoted to prints because they keep me going, they sell, they keep Kadoja running on gas. But I think it's time. I think it's time for me to scale that down a little bit and still have prints, but have them be less prominent in terms of their representation at the table. People can still buy them, but... I don't want them to be as publicized as they are right now. Yeah, so my argument for them, uh, you know, the question was, should I even have them any- anymore? And my argument for them, um, for from someone that has a few few comics that he does, different series, um, they do keep you afloat uh, in, in particular particular shows. So not every show is a comic book focused show, unfortunately. You know, us as comic book creators, we wish that were true. That most of our sales were going from our comic books, but sometimes they're known as print shows. People that are there just looking for art. They want art for themselves, for family members, whatever the case is. And uh, sometimes you can make most of your nut selling selling prints. I've had quite a few shows where I've only sold like one set of books, and the rest were all uh, con- or the rest were, were all prints. And, and I made a hefty sum of money off of those prints. So, you know, I'm not going to, I'm 
I'm not going to turn away that money because it helps me create more comic books. You know, okay, yeah. now I get a print, and now I get to pay my colorist, my letterer, etc. And um, you know, so so it's a necessary evil. It's but it's always about the balance. So if you guys are out there and you're creating your comic books and you're doing prints, make sure you're not letting prints run your booth. You don't want your whole focus. You like I don't want, you don't want people to show up at your booth going like oh look at all these prints I love all these prints and then you just have like one comic book so like it, like if that's what you're trying to do like if you're there just to make money then that's a okay then do what you got to do make that money but if you want to be a comic book artist you want to make sure you're representing your comic more than you're representing anything else and so you you do want to have a place for those prints you don't want them to be the main focus of your booth um, unless you find out while you're at that show oh. This is a print show. Yeah, yeah. Or to quote the immortal Grady in the movie DC Cat, don't let your... Grady was not Grady in DC Cat. Did you ever see the movie DC Cat? I have not, but it's a good It's a good quote. You know, you know the 11.8% is hitting. Yeah. If I am referencing. So I, I, I first of all, I think this is the movie DC Cat. It has a song by Irene Cara in it called Just Our Luck, and it was about driving cabs, I'm pretty sure. And I'm also pretty sure the guy who played Grady from Sanford and Son was, in fact, in it and said that. Immortal Wine, which is well known by all cinemaphiles. <laughs> anyway. so, so in this instance, uh, your would be your, your wallet. So, yes. yeah, don't don't get don't get a, you know. What's what's the what's the phrase I want? Don't to use? don't be seduced by the easy seduced. Dollars. There we go. Better there it to, is. Better way to don't do be it. seduced by the easy money that comes with prints. Like, yeah. look, here here's a fucked up fucked up breakdown of this. A comic book on average costs a standard comic book on an indie book five bucks. Right? You can charge anywhere between five bucks and ten bucks. Ten bucks, you're being a bit of a dick depending on the page count, but five bucks to ten bucks is is reason i'm not i can't say 10 10 is not no. reasonable eight. five dollars eight, eight eight five to eight is reasonable for an indie comic book right that's countless hours that you put into that book whether it be you doing pencils inks colors writing it all of the above lettering it all of that you put countless hours into that book you pay you may pay other people to help you produce that book. You may pay a writer. You may pay an artist, a colorist, a letterer, you know, whatever. The, the print is one drawing that you can reproduce multiple times over and sell multiple times over. And it costs you probably, depending on your printer, anywhere 50 cents to a, to, to two bucks if you're going to get ripped off, right? Like two's a little high for my blood. I, but I've had the good fortune of finding some very reliable, high quality printers at a very reasonable rate. So yeah. so 50 cents to $2 per print, right? To do one image that you sell for 10 to $20. So the, the money that you're going to make on that one print is so much more than you're going to make on that comic book. You're going to have to sell so many comic books in order to make that money back. Unless you're doing a crowdfunding thing. Here's something else I suggest you. Like, we're, we're going to go a little bit all over the place for this episode just so you guys yeah, know. Yeah, we are. Yeah, if, we're fucking, we're everywhere. We're fucking everywhere. <laughs> so if you haven't figured it out, we're just going to be a little all over the place. So if you're going to be doing a crowdfunding thing, if you're going to do Indiegogo, Kickstarter, whatever... Uh, don't count 
the cost of the printing of that book, okay? If, if you fully funded your Kickstarter, meaning you set a goal, let's pick a number, let's say $2,000, that gets you your printing, it covers your colorist, it color, covers your artist or whatever, or your writer or, or whoever the case, right? Let's say two grand, that covers covers your shit. And then you sell the book at the at, at the show. Don't don't count the two fifty or the two dollars or whatever how much ever it cost you to print that book. It didn't cost you two dollars because someone else already paid for it. Your right. kicks your Kickstarter backers paid for those extra copies for you. Okay? Right. So every book you sell at the show, that is profit. Don't think of it. Well, it's only, well, I sold it for four bucks, so it's really a buck fifty of profit. No, that's four dollars worth of profit because you didn't pay to have that book printed. So don't, don't, uh, the the accounting nerd term there would be do not factor in cost of goods sold emotionally because it is, yes, when it comes time to, to, hey, file that paperwork with the IRS, by all means, it's a cost of goods sold. Yes. But emotionally, it costs you zero and it's all margin. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The the big words that Keith said, put those in my dumb mouth and that's the same thing. <laughs> 11.8 and I'm just, I'm ripping it. I'm ripping it right now. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, it's, it, it's a good point. It's a good point. And we have spun so far out of orbit, I can't even remember where we were before. That's Shit, okay. Brother. There's no problem with that. I'd say this that's is a fine. very heavily kickstarter crowdfunded focused episode so it sort of got there yeah yeah, sort of got yeah. There. and and i mean honestly it's going to be all encompassing for me for the next 15 days and uh you know it's it's in a good place but i did speak with another indie creator um he's actually the guy that i found so if you guys last uh listened to i think two episodes ago i talked about an artist that i found through a artist that i knew online or that i met online through instagram and uh, we discovered this artist uh, via him, and his uh, Instagram handle is nuclear underscore shelter, and he's freaking badass. He is one of the alternate covers for Second Shift 12. He is the uh, variant slash metallic version cover, and it's just, it's gangbusters. So I was talking to the artist that I, that I met that guy through, and, uh, you know, he was talking about, or he, he posts a lot of his indie, indie character that he created, his creator-owned character. And I was like, hey, man, when are you going to release the book for this? Because he's always talking about, he's always putting out pages. And uh, I was like, he's like, oh, you know, I work full time in this. And then I'm like, dude, once you finish that first one, you know, you'll you'll get the drive to finish the rest. And he goes, actually, I'm 90 pages in. I'm on the fourth issue. And I was like, oh, shit. I was like, so when are you going to release the first one? And he goes, well, it's still, there's three pages left that need to be lettered. And I said, oh, so how are you going to do this? Are you doing like crowdfunding or what? And he goes, I would like to. And I was like, Hey man, this is just my advice to you. You know, take it or leave it. I highly suggest you do a, a, a Kickstarter or crowdfund for that first issue. And uh, he goes, you think so? And I was like, yeah, man, like everyone loves an issue one. You set a nice modest goal. What you think would be fair, the stuff that you need to get this done, set it for that. I'll be one of your first backers. Just, you know, just put it up there. So he was he was talking about how he's stockpiling issues until the letterer and the colorist can catch up to him. But, uh, you know, it was just like, Hey man, if you got a product out there and you, as the artist, if you got, if you're on the fourth issue, you have enough, you have enough, uh, a free runway runway. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. You have enough runway there to, to get it going, especially if the first issue is already done. So, 
Um, you know, just, just talking to him about it and stuff that, you know, he would potentially need to do. It's just, it's so interesting talking to artists too, that work in, in, uh, different methods. So he's like, I have no computer or iPad or anything like that. I have no, I have no digital equipment. He goes, I'm all pencil and paper. Cause I was talking to him about the lettering. I was like, so what's going on with the lettering? He goes, well, I hired a guy. He's just really busy right now. I'm like, well, three pages, I can get that done in a day. And I was yeah, like, exactly. I was like, you might want to think about, you know, learning how to letter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But totally. uh, apparently he has no tech. So unfortunately that's an issue for him. Yeah. But, yeah. But getting back to the point. Oh, did you find it? Letting, I did. I, oh, I remembered it. Don't, don't interrupt me or I'm going to fucking forget it. <laughs> <laughs> getting back to the point of not letting prints or your wallet run your life. I'm guessing that where you were going, my man is that it's very easy to fall for the quick dollar. Absolutely. But but this this podcast is called Making Comics. It is not called Making Prints and Sustaining Sales Through Table, which is very National Write a Novel in November month, if we had titled it that. That would be awkward and weird. But Because we're here to make comics, right? We're here to tell stories. And while there, in fact, is a place, like Scott convinced me earlier today, for prints in your portfolio because they keep things running don't lose sight of the prize don't lose sight of the goal you're here to tell stories and you're here to share stories and every single person out there has a story to tell this is something you know back still weaving all over the place here where people talk about imposter syndrome you know where imposter syndrome comes from is the idea of somebody thinking why is my story important when there are so many stories out there to be told And the answer is, your story is uniquely you in some way. And it's a matter of you channeling that uniquely you and turning that into something that you can share and that you can storify, for lack of a better way to put it. That's an 11.8% kind of vocabulary (laughs) word. But that's that's what we're here for. Again, I, I expect that people listening to this podcast are listening because they want to make comics. So again, prints have a place. Your wallet should be considered. But at the end of the day, it really does have to come down to you finding ways to keep on telling the stories that you want to tell and not getting seduced by that easy dollar. By being a person who has just run the laps, run many, many laps on the music circuit, there is a total parallel here on the music side, right? And it is the parallel is that band that starts to get a response from the crowd by playing covers. And then over the years, you become less original and more cover. Or you start as cover, but you become this infamous joke among bands where it's kind of like, well, we're playing covers, but we're going to stir in some originals every now and then and hope to get people hyped to our originals. I'm going to tell you right now, that is never going to happen. People are going to respond to the covers just like people are going to respond to that piece of art you do of Iron Man or Wolverine or whatever. It's what we all know as comic fans, as as music fans, as whatever kind of fans. So it's, you know, friends, you are here as part of a bold adventure to tell your stories with your characters in your voice. We encourage you to keep doing that. Of course, if you have a kick-ass drawing of Wolverine, by all means, do it. But that's here to augment the main goal. Right. Yeah, and, and you know, it's uh, something else I told Keith was even professionals, um, you know, 
that, that are selling their own story, they also have prints up. So, you know, don't feel dirty about doing it. But also, uh, like this, this comes from experience myself, like this, this information. Because when I first started doing conventions years ago, I had issue one of Second Shift to Sell, and I was doing commissions the rest of the way. So the whole time I was doing conventions, I was hustling, doing doing commissions nonstop in order to make the table back and make a make a profit. And then one year, I did I tabled next to a couple of friends, and uh, my uh, my friend like the wife is very talented, very talented artist, and they just had a bunch of prints. And then she would do commissions, and she had her commission list, but most of their table was just prints. They didn't. They don't. They don't make comic books. They're they're print print artists. So I'm I'm next to them, like shilling these three dollar issues of Second Shift, and doing commission after commission after commission. And we we go to dinner afterwards, and and I'm watching like what's transpiring next to me the entire time, and it's people coming up nonstop to her table and picking up prints. And then so we go, we go eat afterwards. They want to go eat a Korean barbecue, celebrate the first day or whatever. And it's just like, fuck, I barely made, you know, whatever I made. It wasn't enough to cover the table at this point. But they're in like hundreds of dollars at, at after the first day of a three-day convention. And like, so they're sitting pretty. They're like, yeah, the table's already paid for. Um, it's all gravy after this point. And I'm like, fuck, I still need to make my nut back. And, you know, here we're having like $30 Korean barbecue and I'm like sweating my ass off over here. And that was a learn, a learning lesson for me. It was like, Scott work smarter, not harder that I like, I don't mind doing commissions. I'll, I'll take a commission here and there. If I want to make more, more money at the booth, I'll take the commission. It's not a big deal, but work smarter, not harder. Do the work beforehand. She did the work beforehand. They made prints. She made hundreds of dollars off of one image. You know, she, she did 10 of them and she made hundreds of dollars off multiple images. So it was just me seeing other artists. And that and that's what I've done every single year. I have a tendency to look around Artist Alley and see what's working for other tables. What table is busy? What's going on at that table? What makes that table interesting in comparison to my table? You know, okay, the quality of art. Oh, pretty much the same. Okay, that's not the issue here. What's going on? Oh, they have big big price tags on everything. Okay, because something we've talked about on this podcast, some people, some comic collectors or, or art collectors are introverts. They don't want to have a conversation. They want to know how much stuff costs. Okay, that was one lesson I took away. Uh, you know, the other lesson being doing the prints or whatever. So you, you that's something you need to do when you're doing conventions. Be aware of what's going on around you. Take that information and in, see what's working for other people and uh, try to apply that to your table in the future or even that convention. If it's possible to adapt to what they're doing that convention, give it a go. If not, work on it for the next one. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So, I mean, the, there's always something to learn out there. And even if you're not learning it, if you like, if you acknowledge it and you say, no, that is not what I'm going for. That's okay. Because, you know, Scott, I think, I think you and I split this table one time at a convention and there was an unnamed artist who, uh, two of them, I think were doing prints where it was basically a similar design with a bunch of different characters that were all part of the design. So you could basically buy this sort of design with 
your choice of let's say 15 characters Mm -hmm. and at one point they casually mentioned what they made for the show and i was like yeah holy shit it was four thousand dollars right i'm gonna bleep that out and it was us we we no you could leave that in we we didn't mention we didn't mention any names. There's no names that were dropped here. I I want to ram my head into a wall for 30 minutes. <laughs> I cannot believe how much they made on that. You yeah. know, but you know, you you have to give some kind of credit for the fact that they recognized a market there and they had a cool design, um, as opposed to kind of play a hating on it. But you know, where where Scott and I ended up at the end of that show was, but we're not them. We yeah. we're going for something different. We're going for the thing we want to go for. And so while the reason I mention this is because while there is always potential for you to learn something, you don't want to lose your eyes on the prize and you want to have the the fortitude to say, this is the thing I want to do. And there may be some easier paths to take. But this is the path I want to take because this is my end goal. Whatever that goal is, we all have different goals. Sometimes you may just want to tell some stories and get them out in the world. Sometimes you may want to be king of the world. I don't know. There's a million goals in between. But more importantly, stick to your guns, keep the faith, keep making good product, and, uh, and, and good things will happen. Yeah, uh, the line in the sand is wherever you draw it. So uh, Keithan, who we had on a few weeks back, probably a month ago at this point, um, he does not do prints at all. He will not do any Marvel DC prints, but he'll draw a commission for you, and that's that's where his line in the sand is. He doesn't even um, he he works for uh, Vortex Comics, and he does that Chaos Breaker book. He doesn't even have those stocked at his table. He only sells Power Knights at his booth. That's that's his line in the sand. It's like. Even though he's drawing those books, he doesn't want to advertise them as his books, which is which is an interesting line. Um, mm-hmm. the, the print line that's that's another one. You know, it's just like okay, cool. I, I get you know that's that's your jam, and you know, and, and he does well at, at his tables when he, when he does. And it's just like, hey man, if if that's what you're doing, that's what you're doing. Everybody's got different positions, and totally. and it's it's all good. You know, just the yeah. stuff that I stated here today. That's my position on it. It's like, yep. hey, if it's good enough for uh, you know. The guys working for DC and Marvel to do prints, oh, then it's good enough for me to do it. And then on top of it, I'll yeah. sell my book. Yeah. And then if you want to, if you listen to last episode, you know that, that Gary Hodge's position is fuck digital. <laughs> Basically, Gary Gary's uh, digital position. So we all we all have our own things, man. So yeah, we, we didn't really have a main topic this week, but we decided we wanted to riff a little bit and just talk about some stuff. So hopefully that works. So we're kind of moving into the into the bonus portion of the program, man. How are you doing on the comics thing? You still buy in uh, comics with gift money? Have you moved on to your own money yet? Or have you been able to, to kind of stay stay on the wagon? Um, it, I guess I fell off the wagon, but the but I bought... Okay, so the the eBay gift card money it was just in the account, right? So I bought a couple of books with that money, but then I also bought uh, some Christmas presents with the rest of the money. And then after that, then I bought a couple of books because I wanted them. So I think technically there's a line there where it's technically still gift card money. Um, But who knows, you know? Uh, I got a couple more good deals on the Golden Age Daredevil. I I won a couple of of books for like 
20 bucks for two. I was like, this is stupid. Mm. That's $10 each. So I'm pretty excited about that. I talked to you about getting Kuz's jersey, Lakers jersey, since he's no longer a Laker. I was like, that's got to be cheap. Um, Someone was selling his first year, 2017-18, his rookie year. It was the old school jerseys, like the Kobe Shaq style jerseys. Um, So that was the last year that those jerseys were in vogue. They, they, they stopped doing those. They did the, the classic hardwood, uh, Jersey Mm -hmm. style. And that's just the standard Jersey now. So someone was selling it for 12 bucks. So I was like debating on getting, and I was like, ah, it's used, but it's 12 bucks. What's 12 bucks, you know? So, uh, yeah, anyway. Uh, well, that's, but that, you know, so sorry. We, we might as well, you know, look, fast forward like three minutes if you just hate when we fucking talk about basketball. But my logic earlier was, because um, cause I was bringing up that the Sixers finally put their sweet, sweet City Edition jersey on sale. And they had made a little bit of a mistake in that the one player they clearly printed up a bunch of jerseys for was Ben Simmons, who <laughs> is has said he doesn't want to play for the Sixers anymore, is claiming that he's burned out mentally. It's just been a total strange story. And of course, I get the email and it says, hey, Sixers jerseys are on sale with the new city edition. I'm like, yes, I finally get to buy this thing. And then it's like, Ben Simmons? Come on, man. Like, I got two Ben Simmons jerseys already. I don't want this one. So then I had this, like, heart-to-heart with my my poor 16-year-old who has to listen to me with all my shit because my wife's out of town right now. And uh, and I was like, well, should I get the Ben Simmons? You know, like, they have this jersey protection where if they get traded, you're okay. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, then, I about and if you use And if you use an American Express card, then it's a year where, where they're traded. And she's like, well, yeah, you should do that. Just get that. And I'm like, cool. So I log on this morning, and I'm ready to just say, fuck it. I'll buy the Ben Simmons. If you get it's traded within the next year, which seems like a certainty, then I'll flip it for like the jersey of a, a current Sixers player. Turns out that apparently they learned from their mistake and they put an Embiid up. So I was like, finally, I'll just get this goddamn damn Embiid and I'm ready to go. So this started a whole big, you know, exchange with with Scott and I. And Scott was like, well, I don't really have any Lakers right now that I want to get a jersey for. But dot, 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 you know, I've always considered getting a coos because I love coos and blah, blah, blah. And uh, and my logic, you know, back to him was, look, coos is always going to be a guy that had some good plays and had some promise and helped them win a title a little bit. Right. He contributed some nice moments to their title. And more importantly, for those people that do not live in Southern California, like I cannot understate how important the Los Angeles Lakers are to the fabric of living here. I have so many friends that are Lakers fans. So many people I know. When I go to like family gatherings, when you go to Chinese buffets, when you go anywhere, if the Lakers are playing, it is on the television. Like Mm -hmm. you cannot underestimate how much in the fabric of Los Angeles and the surrounding suburbs and, you know, Scott's in San Diego, they're just part of like the air here. So if you're rocking a Coos jersey, you are walking around and a whole bunch of people are going to be like, yeah, man, I remember Coos. That's a cool deep cut, right? Mm-hmm. So you get the deep cut factor there. And he's always going to have that sort of deep cut status. So that's kind of where we left it. And uh, I encourage you to get it. It sounds like you're pretty close or you ended up getting it already. Yeah, I'm pretty close to it. Um, I do have a Shannon Brown jersey. 
And that's a super oh, deep cut. That's a deep cut. Yeah. 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 The most disappointing dunk contest performance ever. Yeah. He did not even. <laughs> it was like, oh, you didn't even study. Dude, he sucked <laughs> so bad. So and bad. he had special shoes made for him for that dunk contest and yep. everything, man. Yeah, that was such a letdown. Oh, that was a, a Travis Shamockery, man. That was terrible. <laughs> so congratulations to the people who hit fast forward enough to get us back to comics. Last last week on the podcast with Gary, I had said, hey, my Fantastic Four 49 is shipping from CGC. I'm so excited. So flash forward, I have not gotten a single update on that fucking book. Oh. It, it may be stalled in Florida okay. uh, where CGC is. I have no idea because the USPS tracking service is not super granular. And I bring this up because, Scott, you may remember, this is the second time... I have had a shipping hang-up for a book I got. Do you remember what the first one was? Sandman? (laughs) The fucking two most important comics for me to buy from anyone online in any context have been hung up by the goddamn postal service. (laughs) Like, is this... how, how How is the universe aligning like this? You know, I can buy some bullshit Arion Lord of Atlantis number four on eBay... And that thing shows up in two days. <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh my God, my Aryan Lord of Atlantis that I paid a quarter for and $3 to ship <laughs> somehow showed up today. <laughs> and like all these other bullshit books just immediately get here quickly. And then these awesome books that I am just so waiting for. Of course, there is this heightened sense of drama because I do not know what the grade is on this book. And I have a minimum grade where if I get it, then I'll know that the price I paid on eBay was worth it. But man, the USPS is just building the drama right now for me, and I I just can't take it. I'm sorry, man. (laughs) I actually have all of my uh, early Christmas present books. I believe they all came in. So I actually have a pile. It comes... Okay, so I would do... YouTube videos very regular of me of opening boxes of uh, books that I'm picking up, you know, stuff that I'm collecting. And since I have moved, I've only done one video. I haven't even edited it. And uh, it was getting to the point where the books were piling up too high. So I would just open them without recording and, and whatever. That was that. And I'm just such in the habit of not opening them right away. I have like seven packages, which I'll probably open after this. <laughs> nice. Nice. So yeah, I, I I've been I've actually been pretty good too, mainly because I went on a little mini Sandman run a week or two ago. Yeah, I remember you saying yeah. And those books all came in because now I've gotten to the point where so so for for nerds out there, I started with Sandman one because the Sandman series is coming out at some point on Netflix, and based on what I've seen about that series, it looks amazing. It will do one of two things, or maybe two of two things. Number one, I think it will actually be a success when viewed in the eyes of the fan base. I am very excited, and I am a Sandman junkie. Number two, it may galvanize the larger public to it. And by galvanizing the larger public, that'll obviously mean the book goes way up, blah, blah, blah. Sandman becomes a little bit more of a household name and it doesn't have to be some fucking thing that I talk about where it's like, no, really, this is the best thing that Neil Gaiman ever wrote. So um, we'll see where that all ends up. But it started with Sandman 1, which, of course, is the first appearance of Morpheus. And then it leaked over into Sandman number 8, which is the first appearance of Death. And now... Because this is the way comic collecting works, I just thought to myself, like, you know what? 
One of my favorite storylines of all time is the Sandman season of mists, which is, I'm not going to spoil any of it, but if you like anything kind of mystical, magical, Sandman-y, dreamy, heaven and hell-ish, I highly recommend Sandman a Season of Mists. You can grab the trade paperback. It's the Sandman trade paperback number four, but it is also issues 22 through 28. So I have been on a 22 through 28 run. At least I've been keeping my eye on it. Turns out that 22 has some significance because it's the first appearance of a key character. And 25 has some significance because it also has some first appearances in it. I've already picked up those, So now it's just to the point where like the only ones I need are 26, 27, and 28, which are like $5 comics. I can grab those whenever I want. They're there. And I just don't feel the need to pounce on that, you know? So, um, so be careful, be careful, learn from my mistakes. Cause I've done that very thing with invincible. And, uh, I was like, "Ah, I don't really need to get those and whatever, dude. And then once the series came out, that shit skyrocketed and I regretted it. God damn you. Learn from my mistakes, dude. Don't clean clean the run. Just get the run while it's low. Get it while it's low. Why the fuck do I say things to you? Because because I need you to learn from my mistakes, damn it. You you are the devil on my shoulder, man. That's that's what you are. Let me let me tell you. Invincible, I believe it was eighteen or seventeen, eighteen or nineteen. I can't remember now. I used to know off the top of my head. First appearance of Battle Beast. Used to be a twenty dollar book. I was like, fuck, that's a little high. Because all the books around it were like fifteen, thirteen, whatever. I was like, eh, twenty, twenty. So I keep putting it off. And the closer the it got to the cartoon coming out, the more that book went up. It went up and up and up and up. And it stopped being a $20 book and started being a $40 book. So I ended up paying $40 for a book that I could have got two of, you know, for that price. So just learn from my mistakes. Just clear the run. Get the run. Get everything you can while it's cheap. And then when the thing comes out and when it gets announced... All those books are going to skyrocket. They're not going to be $5 books anymore. They're going to be $20 books. And you're like, fuck, I should have listened to Scott. I should have just got them when they're five. Now I'm paying three times the amount that I should have. You you are a bad man, Charlie Brown. <laughs> fine, 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 fine. I'll do it. I'll do just it. do I'll, it. I'll look into I'll look into it. Just do it. I get it. Okay. Let me suggest Um, a book before we get off the air here. I started reading it. uh, It's called Dead Box. I think it's by Aftershock Comics. And Mark Russell is the writer. Unfortunately, you know what? Hold on real quick. Okay. So I just grabbed it. Okay. Dead Box by Mark Russell. Tesma, Popoff, and And Worlds. Yeah, it is Nightfall. Uh, It just says Nightfall on this. Oh, Vault Comics. I'm sorry. It's by Vault Comics. And uh, Mark Russell, he did you ever read the Flintstones? Remember, I like we're in the dollar bins, and I was like, grab Flintstones. Did you ever? Read I it? grabbed Flintstones. It is still sitting in one of my two to be read boxes. Oh, okay. Um, he's just a fantastic writer. He does a lot of commentary on to ta- on today's society, and this book is no different. So the premise is this girl goes back to town. Her father's sick. She ends up working at this store where they have a, a, a red box style thing, but it's called a dead box. And it's filled with movies that no one's ever heard of. She can't find them online. She's like, I've never even heard of any of these movies. I can't find them online. People rent them. So the book is basically the movie. So they're kind of the intro part of the, the story. And sometimes they interweave, but it's, it's the story of the movie and it's just social commentary. 
and it's just it's such a fun book so if you guys uh got some extra reading room dead box uh vault comics nightfall comics uh mark russell so good rock on and in the spirit of that i'm going to recommend a book that i just got through issue three of today so by the time this comes out, you should be able to pick up them, hopefully. And issue four will be on the way soon, which is May's book. It is a book written and drawn by Jeff Lemire. I I believe, Scott, you've mentioned liking Jeff Lemire before. I am a very, very substantial Jeff Lemire fan to the point where, I mean, at this point, anything he does, I'm down for. Or I will at least give a try for. So whether I like it or not... It's going to be in my collection because by the time I realize whether it's good or bad, I've probably already pre-ordered three issues anyway. And uh, May's book is amazing. Um, no, no pun intended. It is very quickly a story about a dad who lost a daughter who was uh, had an obsession with doing these these mazes. And to, to talk about the first issue, which probably isn't much of a spoiler alert he gets a phone call from his dead daughter saying to find her. Oh. And that is it. And uh, now that I am, that that's an interesting enough presence in uh, uh, idea in issue one. But now that I'm through issue three, it just does some really cool things. It takes time. There is, there is such great character stuff in there. So for those of you out there that are writers or just want a deeper understanding of character, I think it's a great book to pick up and really try to unpack because that's stuff that I'm doing as I'm reading it. And I'm just a fan. It reminds me a lot of a book that he did called AD After Death, which I am also a big fan of and has AD After Death is an interesting book because there's a lot of prose in it. I think there's some prose pages. There's a lot of pages that are just chunks and chunks of text. But it, it so it's a little bit more dense, but it is interesting. And if you're a fan of that or you're a fan of Jeff Lemire, another book I really love of his is Trillium, which he wrote and illustrated a long time ago. Um, and he does a bunch of other great books. Uh, I do recommend May's book. I think it's a fun book. It's a good book, and uh, and it's worth your time. Nice. The last Jeff Lemire book that I'll mention is Black Hammer. So anything from the Black Hammer universe, I do love. Jeff Lemire created this universe. It's a dark horse book, but they're essentially stand-ins for like the Justice League. Nice. So yeah, nice. it's really good. Hey man, I-, I was thinking about this. You know what we never talk about? You got anything you're listening to that's just fun right now? Dude, I have a weird, uh, it's so, um, I'm not, I, I've never been a K-pop fan until I would say the last two years. Oh shit. Look at you. And, uh, like you mentioned BTS, uh, a few weeks back. Um, I am a huge Blackpink fan. Like I love Blackpink <laughs> and, uh, they're on constant rotation. I'm, I mostly listen to podcasts, but, um, uh, Lisa, uh, Lisa Monoban, she is, she did a, a couple of singles. One is La Lisa, which is her legal name. Like she just goes by Lisa, but her first name is La Lisa, which I think is way cooler. Um, so the song is called La Lisa. It's awesome. And Money, and that one's really catchy. That one, like they're both very catchy. Uh, Money sounds more like a a U.S. hit. Um, it's okay. mo- it's mostly in English. Um, there's you know there's Korean in there. I think there's some Thai in there too. Uh, she's she's Thai. But um, yeah, those those are both killers. So if you guys are into K-pop at all or not, just go Rock listen on. to those. Yeah, they're rock awesome. on, rock on. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna give two recommendations. One, 
one for anybody that I think probably should like music, which is uh, the Silk Sonic record is out. If you are not familiar with Silk Sonic, it is a throwback 70s soul project by Anderson Pock and Bruno Mars. It is Ooh. sensational. I, I actually... Uh, after listening to, I haven't listened to the album yet, but I can speak for the first three singles and they are sensational. Uh, they are absolutely sensational. So I have nothing but good things to say about, um, Silk Sonic. In fact, I'm pissed that they didn't issue the goddamn thing on vinyl. Cause I'm just waiting for the damn thing to get on vinyl. So it can be part of my collection. So that's thing number one for, for, I think everybody, however, for the people that like to roll into the death metal waters, and I'm talking to you, Brian Clark. Because I don't know if anybody else out here actually listens to death metal. But uh, Suffocation, the New York death metal legends, just put out a record called Live in America. It sounds so good. I generally hate live albums. But we all know, like whether you like death metal or not, what, you, what we can all speak to is the fact that live music just has a different effect. I think too much about the effect that live music has on us. And I think one of the things that really separates live music from recorded music is the bass frequencies, right? When you go to see somebody live, you feel it. The guitars are chunkier or the bass is lower or whatever it's going to be, right? Even even if you listen to country music, the bass is going to just reverberate in your spine, you know, and... That's what I feel. The amazing thing about this suffocation record is it somehow gets that. And it's like a greatest hits tour through their catalog, but everything sounds amazing. And it's got this great live sound props to the people who engineered it. It sounds incredible. I have been listening to it, obviously when kids or wives are not in the car, because I would not (laughs) subject them to that. But, uh, but anyway, so yeah, just, just random, random shit to throw out there. Nice. And Silk Sonic is now uh, downloaded onto my Hell iPhone, yes, dude. and I'll be listening to it in the car. Dude, so good. In fact, um, I think huge, we were talking huge about... Huge Bruno, Bruno Mars fan, by the way. Oh my god. We were talking about it because when we went to Harlan, remember that first time, they had a beer called Leave the Door Open. I think I told you about this, yeah. right? And mm-hmm. I, uh, I ordered it by singing it. I said, okay, so I'm going to get a flight, and for my first beer, I'm going to leave the door open. And then the person sang it back to me, and I was like, she was like, nobody gets that. And I'm like, how does nobody get it? It's like this huge song, you know? Like, they don't realize that you called a beer leave the door open anyway. So fun, fun Harlan deep trivia there. (laughs) But uh, anyway, so you can find me on Instagram at Keith underscore decibel. That is Keith doing stuff. And you can also find me at Kadoja Kaiju. That is all things kaiju related, giant monster related, etc. And you can find me at Scott Lost, S-C-O-T-T-L-O-S-T, and Facebook.com forward slash Scott Lost. Yeah. And when it comes to websites, you can find me at KeithRFoster.com. There is uh, There are some articles that are well-aged. <laughs> Hopefully I'll be adding one soon. But uh, things have been busy and I've been working on a lot of stuff. And of course there is Kadoja there. There's a Kadoja page and there is a Kadoja web store. I had a great note um, while I was doing some internal stuff with Mike from 215 and he was talking about Kadoja and he said about Kadoja which I'm going to paraphrase here you know how when you watch a Godzilla movie the parts with the people are boring and you're just waiting for the monsters to fight well this comic is the solution to that 
because nice. not only are the monsters fighting fun, but the stuff in between the monsters fighting is also fun and ha- and holds your interest in between all of the sweet giant monster fights. So you can find that on KeithRFoster.com at the Kadoja web store. That's awesome. Um, you can find the second shift on Kickstarter right now for two more days. So type in 2ND shift S H I F T on kickstarter.com to find that. Maybe we'll put some links underneath this issue or episode, not this issue. Hello comics. Um, and, uh, if you listen to this after December 1st, then the Kickstarter is over. Then you can go to accidentalaliens.com. Second shift is a tale of minimum wage workers during the day and superheroes at night and Wanderers of Melisanda, Anthropomorphic Dinosaurs versus Humans. A thousand years in the future, we start colonizing other planets. We come across the planet Melisanda, where the meteor never hit, dinosaurs survived and evolved. So it's the battle of two dominant species trying to coexist on one planet. Does that work? It never works. 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 You should know by now. So, uh, so okay, we'll rock on, man. Looks looks like we got another episode in the books as we sail on past fifty and look at it. It's barely it's barely even in our rear view. We're so far past it right now. So, my man, until next week, I will see you. Yay! Yeah, yeah.